Today is Thursday, February 22nd, 2018. And this week we are joined by Chari Orozco, the creative and film director of Celebration Church in Jacksonville, Florida. This week's episode is sponsored by StockUp. StockUp is the most affordable way for you to create video content. For $25 a month, you get unlimited license-free 5K, 4K, and HD stock video. From aerials to missions videos to Christmas to Easter, StockUp has everything you need, and they're adding 1,000-plus new clips each month. Stop hundreds of dollars per clip and get all the 4K ProRes files you need for only $25 a month. StockUp is the source for unlimited stock video for only $25 a month. Download an unlimited amount of files, no contract, and no licenses. If you want to give StockUp a try, right now they're offering full access to their entire library for free for the first 14 days. All you have to do is go to StockUp.com slash Creative Church. That's S-T-O-K-H-U-B.com slash C-R-T-V Church. That's S-T-O-K without a C. StockUp without a C. You're listening to the Creative Church Podcast, where each week we talk about the latest in Christian creative culture and explore the lives of prominent creatives. My name is Nick Gunner, and joining me today is the man himself, Ross Jones. Well, if I could legally change my last name to that, I would. I mean, I can, but I'm not going to. I'm trying to further the fact that your last name is Ross. Well, we already explained where I came from, so. <laughs> yeah, you had to listen to last week's yeah. episode. Um, also, uh, we have we have something exciting to tell everyone. Um, Ross and I, uh, we're being joined today by by someone else. We didn't tell anybody. We haven't told anybody. We kind of we kind of teased it last week. But the latest addition to the podcast is the one, the only, Emily Cummings. Whoop whoop! Hey, it's good to be here. Hey, hey, how's it going, Emily? It's great to hang out with you guys. I'm learning so many new things literally <laughs> on day one of this podcast. It's great. It's like learning to to set your VCR to record, right? Exactly. (laughs) For those that don't know Emily, she is the founder of Becoming Me, and she was a recent podcast guest on Creative Church Podcast. However, not only is she going to be on this show, but coming up, we're excited. We're going to be announcing a new show with Emily that she'll be doing all by herself for the Creative Church Podcast Network. Now, Emily, you're being baptized by fire today. Therefore, Ross and I wanted to welcome you with a new segment we call We Got a New Host, so we're going to ask him some questions. Ross, you're up. Okay, we got some quick fire questions I came up with for Emily, if she is ready. I'm up for the challenge. Okay. Number one, and you can answer these as fast as you can. I want these to be real authentic answers here. So, number one, what is your favorite go-to snack? Oh, chocolate or coffee. Mm. Maybe both. The combination's just (laughs) so good. Chocolate, coffee. Yeah, just dip a Kit Kat right in the coffee. Yes. Oh my goodness. Those oh, are see, the there best. Go. The best of both worlds. You just know me so well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number two, what was your favorite music group or artist in high school? Zoe Girl. Mm. Hands down. Wow. I was a Zoe Girl fan. That's a like, deep fanatic. Oh. That's awesome. That's not that's not one I heard a lot uh, with my group of friends back when they were popular. Uh, number three. What is one of your biggest pet peeves? Oh, that's hard. Um, I mean, you're such an optimistic person. We got to know what's a big pet peeve. Well, first off, thank you for thinking that I'm an optimistic person. I really try to be. I'm a type A personality, <laughs> so I see when stuff goes wrong and I fight for optimism. So maybe my pet peeve would be being pessimistic. Both in myself and then when people are bringing me down, because I'm like, hey, guys, I'm fighting so hard to be optimistic here. That is the best interview question (laughs) or interview answer I've ever heard in my life. Like, you know, I have this weakness, but I'm going to turn it real quick into this awesome (laughs) strength that I have. Just kind of (laughs) proved your own point in the answer. That's awesome. I love it. Interviewing 101, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Answer the question with a question. Um, (laughs) uh, Number four, what's something you've never done that you really want to do? Oh, man, this is hard. Probably travel to Europe. I have not been to Europe yet, and Italy would be at the top of my bucket list, primarily mm. so I could eat, like, pasta all day long, <laughs> uh, but travel to, travel to Italy. Um, last question. What TV show or movie are you really into right now? Man, I'm not really into one right now. It's so sad. So, basically, I need to keep tuning into this <laughs> podcast to know what to watch. <laughs> 
Oh, that's pop culturist. That's a different thing. Yeah, entirely. that's a pop culturist. Yeah, <laughs> well, completely other podcast that we have. All the CR2 Creative Church podcasts all is what the, I yeah. listen to. Yeah, essentially. essentially, yeah. Drop all movies and television. <laughs> Just listen to the Creative Church Podcast Network for all your news information. Well, what, what was the yep. most recent one you were into? Let's go with that. Can I go with Wonder Woman? Is that Absolutely. okay? Yes. Yeah. Okay, Wonder Woman, because Wonder Woman is not only a movie, but it's a state of mind. So I I live there. I agree with that. I was going to say, I I think I've seen on your Instagram, you have a Wonder Woman uh, shake cup or something like that. I do. (laughs) I do. And I did Wonder Woman for Halloween. Like, I just embraced it. See? Might as well. (laughs) That's great. Wonder Woman is a fantastic movie. Now, before we continue, I do want to say that they're they're building a Margaritaville um, resort across the street from me. So if you guys hear some loud like beeps <laughs> and some like, you know, like my entire apartment is shaking. Yeah, yeah that's just going to wait them. for the bucket to come through your wall from the <laughs> crane. Yeah. Yes, it's yeah, giant, just this giant resort water park, and uh, essentially all I can hear is that going on. So I'm I apologize in advance. Uh, to all of our listeners who are like, hey, why is Nick doing construction at his house? <laughs> uh, I'm not. They're doing it across the street. Um, well, we have a great show planned for everyone today. Uh, coming up later, we have Chari from uh, Celebration Church here in Florida. Uh, but up next, we got Trending. Welcome to Trending. Each week, we gather one article from last week's headlines that's important to us and that we feel is impacting culture, church, or creators, and we discuss it. We're going to start with Ross this week. Ross, what do you got for us? Well, I want to ask both of you, what would be a question you would ask Bill and Melinda Gates? Um, Right off the top of my head, um, knowing that Bill and Melinda Gates are very rich, um, I would definitely want to ask them how they feel that Apple is a more superior product. <laughs> just going going right off with the snark just, there. Uh, yeah, just right off, you know. Um, but no, seriously, I would want to. I would want to know what, how they feel about their their competition. Is that not a good question? No, it, it could absolutely be a legit question. Emily, do you, do yeah. you know, have you ever thought oh, about man. that? The questions I feel like would be limitless. Um, yeah. But maybe for somebody starting out in their career or pursuing their passion. What's one non-negotiable thing in their daily routine that they should do? Wow. Yeah, that's really that's good. That's a way better question. <laughs> no. Um. <laughs> well, they recently released their 10th annual letter, like they've been doing this for a decade now, called The 10 Tough Questions We Get Asked. Um, and I've been aware of kind of what they've been doing with um, these annual letters, talking about what their foundation is doing. And this is the first one I've really kind of read through in its entirety and I just thought it was like fantastic. Um, they kind of take on a FAQ of sorts and kind of talking about what they're doing with their foundation and all the money they're spending on projects around the world. And they touched on everything from um, why don't you give more money in the U.S. and are you imposing your values on other cultures to why do you work with corporations and is it fair that you have so much influence uh, and some of the like incredible takeaways. It's a long read, so you'll want to buckle in for it when you when you do go to it, and we'll link to it in our show notes. But some of the takeaways that I had with it was how they take the time to really listen to those who need help, those they're considering helping, those that are doing these projects, either running them or being affected by them, um, just taking the time to listen. And I think that's something that you, you sometimes think, some of these projects go fast and furious and hard and trying to get things done. And, and, you know, are they really taking into consideration these things, but they talk about that. Uh, They're intentional with what the best option is to help instead of just throwing money at it, which, you know, a lot of people could assume they might just do, but um, then they just turn that right into talking about empowering the people they're helping, putting it into their hands so that they can do it. Um, and it's not a matter of making a name for themselves, but they truly want to see the success of um, those they work with on the various projects. Um, and like we talked earlier with Emily, Bill and Melinda just talk about how they're kind of eternal optimists. They always want to look for the best in things. And it really comes through in the letter as they talk about um, respect and equality, being open minded and, and modeling transparency through what they're doing and how they pass that along to their kids even. 
Um, and they also take the time to speak to the nuances of each question, which, you know, if you look at him and you're in a position of Bill and Melinda Gates, you might see as uncomfortable, um, but they really just tackle it and share their heart. And um, again, just I think their foundation is doing incredible work. And this letter makes me a huge fan of what they're doing um, just in the U.S. and across the world. But I don't know if you guys have ever read any of their letters or aware of what, what they've been up to. Well, I, I did read this one before we uh, before we got started here. And uh, one of the things that really stood out to me was the transparency that they gave for the money that they're giving. You know, a lot of people would kind of try to hide those numbers, um, but they really opened up with, with facts on how their money um, was effective and how it went where it went and where it went where it went and why they did what they did um, and then the results that they're getting. So I thought that was really interesting that a, you know, essentially for-profit business was being that transparent about their uh, foundation. Uh, not that their foundation is for-profit. But yeah, the yeah, there's the Business difference. owners are for-profit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that stood out to me was that they take the time to really listen. And it makes me think of that statement, people don't care how much you know, you know unless they know how much you care. Mm. So they're showing people that they care by listening. And that's powerful and opens up the doors for you to help. Yeah, I thought that was a really incredible way that they phrased that. They were very intentional with what they said. And, and the other thing I really enjoyed about it, too, was you see a lot of personality in the letter. Um, it had some really cool design elements, but it then it had these little like in the margins things, kind of little asides from them. And I just thought that was really cool to see their personality because even one of the topics was what do you do when you don't agree with each other? Um, and so you just really see how they work well together and, and their different strengths and, and everything like that. And there was an authentic rawness in that letter as well. Um, as I was reading it, it automatically prompted me for an update. Nobody? Really? Wow. It was a joke because he oh. runs Microsoft. <laughs> don't, uh, Nick. But, um, stick, sh- stick to your script, gotcha. Nick. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That was pretty good though, not gonna lie. He snuck under the radar with that one. Everyone was just standing there like, what did he just say? Yeah, I was really trying to process it because like, wait a second, hold on. This podcast just just took an update. I'm sorry. (laughs) I got really deep and then everybody was completely full. That was awesome. Uh, Emily, what do you got for us today? Yeah, so recently I had the opportunity at that church summit to tackle this question. How do you navigate communications in the midst of natural disasters and tragedies? So in light of the tragedy that took place in my home state, Florida, this past week, Sunday University actually made this session available for free Mm. on their YouTube channel. So that way churches and organizations can tap into it in real time. Yeah. Um, I won't break down the whole session. You can go watch it for yourself. But knowing what's going on in society and culturally, I'd love to unpack maybe a key learning um, from the session itself. And, you know, I shared how my church navigated the 2017 hurricane season in Florida. And honestly, at the end of the day, our goal and our mission is to partner with people to discover that no matter what we face in life, we always have hope in Christ. So in the fall of 2017, Hurricane Irma left her mark on Florida basically just wreaking havoc and devastating countless families. So the day after Irma made landfall in my community, Ocala, we woke up to debris, minor flooding, but major power outages. So I secured my home, and then I checked on my church with our lead pastor. Almost at the exact time we discovered that we had power at Church of Hope, our lead pastor received a phone call from county officials asking if we would consider hosting a special needs medical shelter for 300 patients. Um, And their shelter at the time wasn't best supporting them. So without hesitating, we said, yes, absolutely. And then we began formulating a game plan for what that actually (laughs) meant. (laughs) I mean, it was a pretty big undertaking. And throughout the course of that week, I learned more about shelter hosting than I ever knew possible. But my biggest takeaway from that entire experience was that when you leverage social media and you invite people into the grand story of investing their lives for God's glory, you'll see people step up in ways that you never dreamed possible. So we shared through our social media channels and email list that we were turning our church into a physical hospital. And we asked people to show up and volunteer. When we ended up seeing 250 plus people volunteer, 
and every single need that we had was met. And this really was only possible by sharing the story. I mean, every day on social media, we shared stories of people discovering hope. And we would also send out like quick recap emails from our lead pastor to just let people know what was happening and what the current needs were. So we didn't have some glossy strategy that would make, you know, billboards, but we leveraged the power of storytelling. And that was what made the difference. So it seems like if we're faced with tragedy everywhere we turn and we often ask ourselves, okay, what do we do? How do we respond to this? So on this side of eternity, we live in a broken world, a world that desperately needs Jesus. And the good news, we get to be hope dealers. We get to partner with people in the midst of the most horrific moments, sharing the truth that no matter what we face, we have hope. So as you lead your teams, and as I'm leading my team in responding to tragedies and disasters, I'm keeping this one question at the forefront of my mind. How can we best partner with people right now to discover in Christ we have hope? When I answer that question, the strategy always follows. So, I mean, I know you guys saw the video and you've, you're seeing the same news that I'm seeing. Do you have thoughts that you would want to add to that? Well, it seems like uh, you had a lot of transparency from the beginning. Um, just kind of like, hey, you guys are along for the ride with us. And we just said, yes, so here's what's going on. So I'm imagining that not only did that do well for you in this instance, but I, I could see how being transparent along the way, I mean, authentic and transparent, not in a blunt way. I don't know how else to just say that, no, but yeah, um, yeah, just having that transparency up front and saying like, we're going to keep those updates as, as often as we can, and we're going to do what we can and, um, you know, admit, admit if there are limits, but at the same time say our heart is this. Absolutely. I think, and, you know, we talk about organizations a lot on this podcast and what they can do social media wise, but in the wake of the tragedy in Parkland um, here in Florida, uh, one of the things that's really got me thinking is how are we making a difference on our own personal platforms? Um, I know that it's easy for us, you know, as soon as an event or tragic uh, thing happens for us to jump on and say, Hey, uh, we're praying for you or, you know, we believe God will help you through the situation, yada, yada, yada. But then as, as weeks follows, uh, some of us forget, some of us wrap ourselves up in, in a lot of debating. Um, and eventually, no matter which way you kind of fall on that, you eventually just everyone just kind of forgets. Uh, we did that whenever it happened here in Orlando and the big shooting happened here. Uh, we kind of did that with the Las Vegas shooting. Um, so my question is, how can we be dealing with those through our own personal social media platforms. And I like what you said there, uh, be hope dealers. Uh, I think as Christians, we should be hope dealers and no matter what the situation is, uh, and we should always be striving for that. And sometimes whenever we're hope dealers, we have to remember that we have to acknowledge the problem even after it's passed. And we have to continue to search for solutions. And uh, another thing that I like to say is we as Christians, not only are hope dealers, but we're also problem solvers. So we have to look at the problems that uh, have occurred with this, and we do have to continue to fix them. And uh, I, I just kind of want to stress that we don't want to forget about what just happened or, or, or minimalize it in any way. Yeah. Well, and um, what I are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I think exactly what Emily took away from the Gates letter just a little bit ago of um, listening to people like, Emily, you said you learned so much about being a shelter, like how to run a shelter. Uh, it, it's simply because you, you talked to those who knew how to do it and those who had needs. You said like, what do you need? Let's make it happen. Let's what, what can we do? Um, let's get that infrastructure in place. And so, you know, those kind of moments are also going to take a lot of listening from, from those that are directly affected and to not dismiss it for any reason, um, you know, and just to really take that to heart and, and try to amplify those voices so that if other people want to jump in and listen, because, you know, sometimes everybody wants to send all the people to the place to help. And that's not always the best thing because then you just get all these people and then you have this HR problem of, well, you go here. I don't know where you go. You sit down in the corner for a second and all of that. But, you know, again, maybe that goes back to that transparency of you just let people like, here's what our biggest need is. It's not necessarily people helping, but maybe it's money. Maybe it's if you can get resources here or something like, uh, water, whatever else, like just 
being transparent about that and in a, in a obviously um, kind and grace-filled way as you're communicating. Well, I love what you said too, Nick, about not forgetting. And with social media, it's so easy to build relationships and friendships with people literally around the world. And so when you see somebody going through a hard time and they're in that geographic area, I mean, Instagram message them and just let them know that you're praying for them. And then put a note on your calendar three weeks from now to follow up and send them another message when news channels have died down and it seems like life goes on to the next story. Follow up. Let them know that we still are listening with the authenticity that you were talking about and that we still care. Yeah, and some people might say, well, wait, uh, put it on my news. Put it on my calendar. Doesn't that seem a little fake? And I would say to those people, no, it doesn't because – I think in our world, we only think in news cycles. Mm. And so we literally are just looking at the next big story and we just, we're trained to forget. We're trained to move on. Yeah. And uh, we have to make differences. We have to make a difference and make changes in our personal life. And so that means we might need to be putting things on the news, on our personal calendar that we're following up on and that we're reminding ourselves to follow up on. Chari Orozco is a part of Celebration Creative and serves as the design and film director at Celebration Church in Jacksonville, Florida, who have campuses uh, not only nationwide, but uh, internationally. She is passionate about sharing the love of Jesus, as well as using her gifts of speaking, writing, and design to reach people and positively impact the lives of those around her. When she's not working to steward the opportunity God gave her to serve at the local church, you can find her reading too many books at once and hanging out with her husband, Esteban, who also serves on staff at Celebration Church. Here's part of our conversation with Jody. So you lead a team at Celebration in um, Jacksonville, Florida. And yep. it's the, you said it was the film, design, video, um, <laughs> and what else? There's a lot of things <laughs> lot. going on. Uh, I oversee design and film um, for our creative department. Um, we have several different teams within our creative department, but I oversee design and film and um, it encompasses like series promos, events promos, yeah. web yeah. photography. It's a lot of different things. Uh, environmental elements at all? We design a lot of our environmental stuff. We work alongside our environmental team lead. He's amazing. He builds it all out. So it's pretty exciting. That's awesome. So how how big is that team? Oh my gosh. Our entire creative team or just my team? Uh, just um, your team. My team, I have uh, three filmmakers, uh, two designers, and I have five interns. Um, and I have a uh, amazing woman who works on our web. She's a beast. One of the things that that I'm always interested in when you kind of look at a team like that, uh, obviously, as kind of a church grows, you have different needs like that. But as you're growing a team um, in ministry, um, what are some challenges that you've found with growing a team? Oh, man, growing a team. Challenges I find when growing a team, learning their language okay. has been the biggest issue. Um because if you don't learn your team, you won't be able to speak their language and they're all super, super different. And so um, some are a little bit more emotional. Some are very black and white. Some are, um, some just want things bullet pointed. And I think the best way, the best way to grow your team is to learn your team. Yeah. And so it just takes a lot of intentionality and um, just learning their language. Cause I'm, I'm a lot older than my team. I'm 36. Um, I think the oldest person on my team is, oh my gosh, in their like late 20s. So my perspective on things are very different. I'm very black and white. I'm very to the point. <laughs> <laughs> and my young millennials are not. <laughs> and so um, I've just had to learn their language and um, yeah. learn their facial expressions and <laughs> <laughs> learn that some things are not going to be as easy explained as I would like. So uh, if you're bringing someone new onto your team, mm -hmm. I, I'm guessing you're pretty intentional on the front end of making sure that they fit kind of just the vibe of everybody. You want to make sure it's a cohesive 
um, team and you want to bring the right person on, how do you go about that? Wow. Um, I've done this really poorly. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know what a, not to it's do. It's a horrible question. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm big on culture. Um, okay. Our church has a very strong culture. Um, and I will take culture and heart over talent any day. Um, thankfully, the guys that I've hired and the amazing chicks that are on my team are phenomenal. Um, God has always covered me there. Um, but I will tell you that culture is the hardest thing to teach as it's not taught, it's caught. And so we're super intentional of hiring our interns. I'm in, kind of infamous on our staff. To, I hire my interns um, because they've been with me. They know how I work. Um, they know our church. Uh, I hire people that are serving in our church. Um, it's just it's just for our culture because no, I, I don't say nobody moves at our pace, but I feel like we move at a pace that is very, could be uncomfortable for people who have never been in ministry. <laughs> yeah. You know, so um, I try to hire people uh, that just love God and love people. And that's really it. And and if if you come in our team with a concept of you're just coming to be creative, you'll get eaten alive. That's pretty interesting. I think uh, there can be a lot of, well, there can be a lot of misconceptions about working in ministry. Oh, yeah. Um, and they can be smashed on day one. <laughs> um, but yeah. uh, like you said, as you're as you're learning your team, as you bring new people on, how do you cultivate relationship? I mean, even down to the practical, like how do you remember kind of how each person responds and how do you pour into them? Oh, wow. Um, I, I have gotten better with this. I, I was really bad at this early on. Um, when I first started leading people, I felt like if I could just love them and be their friend, um, that's all that mattered. They would, if they would follow me into the dark, if I could just love them and be their friend and I don't, I'm not big on, I, I'm confrontational, but I hate conflict. That's the only way I can explain it. <laughs> so I'm very like, um, I know what I'm talking about and I, I'm very strong about it, but I really do not like conflict. So my initial, when I first started leading people, I just wanted to love them. Oh, everything's going to be okay. If they did something bad, I would just like fix it myself. And um, because I just don't like conflict. And I learned very quickly that most people don't want a friend. They want a boss. They want somebody who's going to lead. And, um, but I'm very, very Cuban and I'm very, very family oriented. <laughs> so that was very hard for me to learn. And so I feel like I have found a happy medium of how to love people and still lead them. Um, so for me, practical, what that looks like is we do family lunch every Wednesday. We all sit oh, awesome. together and we talk about, um, we don't talk about work. We just make jokes and we'll watch the office and we <laughs> hang out and, I also know about my team's lives. So I'm friends with their wives. I'm friends with their, you know, um, they come to my house. Uh, my house is always open to my team. Uh, we talk all the time. We're on group texts. Um, I have a very open door policy with them. Um, I'm okay with them telling me no. I'm okay with them disagreeing with me. It's just all in the manner in which they do it. And so yeah. um, I think that if you just love people and you give people the right vision in the right direction, I think that it's easy to lead a team. It's become easy, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that says a lot to building trust with the team, too. Oh, if yeah. They can trust you kind of in the small things or what seems small to, to them and, you know, is easy enough to be involved in their lives. That'll translate over into trust and really get you. Like you said, you, you have the people who have a passion for it and a heart for God, um, maybe over some of the technical or resume things, yeah. um, then then they're just going to be coming out with great content that everybody is floored about. Yeah, I think, you know, trust is built in the trenches. Um, and so you can't just all of a sudden trust somebody. You know, I don't trust easily and I don't expect my team to trust easily. I mean, that's just the nature of humanity. Um, everyone has questions, everyone has concerns. And I think that if, I think love moves the concerns away. I yeah. think if someone genuinely knows you care for them and you have their back, um, you know, a core value for me personally is loyalty. Um, again, I'm very, very Spanish and honor is a big deal in my family. I grew up with it with grandparents and, um, and the way that they, you know, they left Cuba and they did all these things for us so that we could be born into freedom. So for me, loyalty is huge. Honor is huge. And so I just, it has dumped over into my professional life that if people know you'll sacrifice for them, they'll, they'll love you and they'll honor you. And so I don't feel like I have to fight for people to be loyal to me. I feel like it comes very naturally because we're just loyal to each other. 
Oh, that's awesome. Is there anything that kind of stands out maybe recently that uh, you've seen play out in a, in your team? Um, we have a lot of personalities on our team, very strong personalities on our team. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, so there's a lot of healthy conversations and, and conflicts and, um, which is to me is it shows the nature of how much we love each other. And, um, what I love so much about it is that even when things get kind of thrown up in the air or changed or, um, the attitude is never like, oh man, this has changed or, oh, this stinks. You know, it's always like, okay, what are we going to do? It's like everyone kind of comes together and, um, you know, God is moving un unbelievably in our church right now. Our revival has actually overflowed into our Sunday services and our Wednesday services and something that should have lasted three days will now go three months. Mm. And, um, so everything's off the table except for revival. And, uh, so that was two months of work that our team had done, but <laughs> nobody was upset about it. Like, yeah, I'm not exaggerating. Everybody was hyped up on Mountain Dew about what God was doing. <laughs> and so, um, you know, normally people would be really offended. Creatives are very offended about their work and about, um, all the time. They can they tie a lot of identity into it. Yeah. 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 But what I love so much about our team is that we're not tied up in the identity of our art. We're tied up in uh, the identity of what God is doing. And um, it was way more important to see God move than to see our work up. And God has just filled the gaps, man. It's just, it's just been, yeah. so for us, it's been an incredible season to watch God really fill the gaps for us. Yeah, because I think as, as different uh, creators are maybe, you know, kind of starting from the bottom and working their way up to, you know, something bigger and, and growing something like you guys are fairly large and, and you yeah. have this dynamic that I think a lot of people can just say, oh man, they, they probably, you know, it's all perfected before it goes out the door it's and all not, that stuff. It's not, it's yeah, not. Let me, let me take, let me take the screen off to all the young churches that are out there and they're watching <laughs> Celebration Church Jacksonville and they're wondering yeah. how we do things and I'll be honest with you. We are a team that is led of the Holy Spirit. Our pastors are extremely led of the Holy Spirit. And there have been more often than not, where they'll come in and say, hey, this series you've been working on is awesome. And we're going to move it to the fall. We feel like God's doing this for this Sunday. Mm -hmm. And we got to go, we got to scratch everything. And we have 12 hours to push out videos and content and web changes. And in a normal world, I have a very small team, which means I'm doing, I'm designing as well, you know? Yeah. And um, it is the best thing that has ever happened to our team that our pastors move like that because it has stretched our capacity in a way that is unheard of. Well, and not only, again, not only um, do you guys trust each other in the team, oh, yeah. I mean, it sounds like your whole culture, you would trust those pastors coming to you. They're not doing that just to jack around with you. Oh, they're no. doing that because, like you said, they're led of the Holy Spirit. Like, yeah. man, this this is going to fit better and, and falling, you know when you see those things come to fruition, you're like, Absolutely. yeah, the, the right choice was to wait, man, this is making so much more impact yeah. at this time. Yeah. Um, and, and to see that, Hey, yeah, this work we did was not in vain. Or even if you have yeah. to shift gears can always, you know, it can always feel like, man, that was in vain. But like yeah. you said, it's, it's something that you just got to keep that kingdom perspective of always, is this going to be the most effective thing to reach people for Jesus? Yeah. It's, it's, it's even to the, like I tell my team all the time, if we're not led of the Holy spirit, we're failing. Because the reality is, is if mm. we're looking for, and I've said this before in things that I've written and people have asked me and, you know, at the end of the day, if Pinterest is your staple or going to Instagram and seeing what other churches are doing is your staple and you're replicating that, that's fine. But if you're the real, the real creative is the Holy Spirit and we're just vessels to, um, like, I, I'm really careful about calling myself a creative because I'm. I'm not technically creating anything. I'm replicating what the God has already created in the earth. And we're just replicating it here in the temporal. And so we're bringing kingdom solutions to temporal problems. And I think that if you don't keep that at the forefront of what you're doing, you'll get burnout in ministry and you'll get frustrated with changes, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so that's, I just try to tell that to all the young creatives out there, like God's given you this amazing gift um, to go out and bring kingdom solutions but don't forget that you actually need him to do it. So what yeah. are some uh, pieces of advice that you either give your team or you keep in mind yourself that you've been given over the years that kind of drive you? Uh, nothing lasts forever except for God. Mm. And um, Simple and easy to remember. <laughs> somebody told me that once. I was, uh, 
I was in a position um, on our staff that I loved very much and I was very much married to. And um, I was I was actually being asked to switch over to I had I had run my own business for about seven years. I had a career, um, a media company and I came on staff and um, really what it was, it was God asking me to step out in faith and leading me to the position that I'm currently in. And uh, I remember being really sad about it. Like, I don't I really love this position. Like, God, are you sure? And really, I look at it now and that was what was I was reminded of. Like nothing lasts forever except for God. And God's the one that brought me here. And God's the one that will one day walk me out. God forbid that would ever happen because I love my job. But I think that if we keep everything with an open hand, God will bless it. It's when we start holding on to things tightly. So whether it's your work, whether it's your position, whether it's um, a song you've written, like hold it with an open hand because the reality is, God can't use it if your hand is closed. Amidst all of this, uh, you, you know, having a great team working together, um, how do you handle frustrations or <laughs> um, bumps in the road or clashing personalities? <laughs> I clash with a lot of personalities. Um, and I know that about myself. I think being self-aware is probably, if you're not <laughs> self-aware in ministry, then you'll fail. Like Peter was emotionally led but he was, he wasn't really self-aware. Like he was just like, I'll never do that. Jesus, <laughs> you know? And then he cut a dude's ears off. I think, I think passion with immaturity cuts people's ears off. Mm. And so I think that, um, being really self-aware of who you are. Um, so I know that there are certain personalities that might rub me the wrong way or my personality might rub the wrong way. So I make sure when I'm walking into the room, I don't suck the air out of the room. Um, I know, I know what room I'm in at all times. And I make sure I know when to ask questions. This might not, you know, I tell my team all the time, I'm okay with your questions. Just remember the room you're in that this question might not be the right question now. Just wait. Oh. Hmm. And um, so I think that that helps a lot with conflict. And uh, I'm proactive to avoid conflict because I feel like in ministry, the enemy will do anything mm. to cause disunity. Yeah. And so since we're so proactive to keep the unity, I think that you just have to be aware. You have to be, you know, God is always moving. God is always speaking. We're just not always listening. And we always, you know, not necessarily care. And I, yeah. And, and I think, yeah, like you said, it's, it's not always rose colored glasses. It's you got to kind of be aware of how the enemy might be, especially when it comes to big seasons like oh Christmas, Easter, yes, um, that kind of thing. You've got to be kind of on high alert um, yeah. and protect against that. Yeah. And you know what? I, <laughs> oh my gosh, you said Easter. I say this to everyone. Like if you're not as hyped up on Sunday, every Sunday as you are about Easter, then, you, then you're missing it because every week is Easter every week. And so, um, it's, it's just, it's, it's, yeah. man, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. You're going to have guests every, any, any given Sunday, you're going to have a, given a new guest that, that needs Jesus. You never know what story is sitting in the seat there listening to the message and listening to the songs. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, I'm from Jacksonville. I'm a big Jaguars fan. And um, they lost the last two games before going into the playoffs. I think it was the last two games. I remember I was livid, livid. And somebody came up to me and said, you know, well, you know, they don't have to play these last two games because, you know, they already won the playoffs. They're heading into the playoffs. And I was like, what about all the fans that have spent money to watch these guys play? And they're just like, I don't want to hurt myself today. No, bro, you get, this is your job. This is what you do. <laughs> like you win games. You don't, there's no game you ever throw away. And, um, and I feel they like that about Sunday that with that attitude either. <laughs> they don't, but they, but, but, but a lot of them were just like, you know, we're going to the playoffs. I don't want to hurt, 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 hurt myself. Hmm. And so I feel like that on the weekend, I tell my team, like, you better not walk into this Sunday and think it's like any given Sunday. And like, it's not a big deal because it's not Easter or it's not a big deal because it's not shine conference or it's not every week is a big deal. The hmm. next Billy Graham could be walking into our church on any given Sunday. A person who wants to commit suicide could be walking into our church. You better not be so focused behind the camera that you can't put your camera down and go pray for somebody. And I think that as creatives, we get so overwhelmed with our task that we forget we're actually here to be ministers. Hmm. And, um, and so I, I really try to, that's another way to keep things fresh and to keep things um, with your team, everyone on the same page. Look, go shoot, go get baptism pictures, go get, uh, go get this story on Sunday, go do all these things. But at any point, if you have forgotten that you could at any time be asked to pray for people or pull somebody aside and ask them if they're okay, or, you know, 
be really truly be there to minister to people, then we've missed it. So yeah. be aware, be aware. And I think that any team that keeps that at the forefront, you'll find that there won't be conflict. There won't be issues. There'll be unity because everybody's moving the kingdom forward. Yeah. And I think those stories are going to be, and truly, if you think about that and have that mindset, you'll see those stories much more just kind of when you have something on the top of your mind, you start seeing it more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you say, man, there's going to be someone that needs something this weekend, you're going to see a lot more stories come out of that. You're going to see a lot more changed lives for Jesus coming out of that. Um, We had a a recent example, just, I mean, as you're talking about that, uh, we share, we don't live stream yet at our church that I work with um, for, I should say. Um, But we put our, all of our messages online. We had a lady that started watching online then finally felt comfortable enough wow. to come on a Sunday. And it was just a regular Sunday, but it was her first Sunday. And this was her first time stepping into the culture of our church as far as what it feels like with the people um, and everything. And then shortly after that, her and her daughter both got baptized. That's unbelievable. That's um, so, And that's just in between Christmas and Easter. That story happened. You know, yeah. so I think it speaks to exactly what you're talking about is you just never know who's going to be watching online, no. who's going to be walking through those doors. Um, and you, uh, as far as celebration, are expanding. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Like wildfire. And there's a <laughs> lot going on. So tell me a little bit about that. Like you have campuses oh, yeah. domestically and internationally and, you know, all of that stuff. What kind of things are you keeping um, I know you, you have a lot of the 30,000 foot views of, you know, fa- want it to be a family and all that, but how, how are you planning and how do you currently keep the, the thread of being in relationship with each other between all these campuses? I think we, like I said, a couple minutes ago, we keep things with an open hand. So we have design yeah. standards, mm-hmm. but Fort Lauderdale um, is in a different city. So you can't put Jacksonville standards on a city that's not Jacksonville with a dim- dem- dim- different demographic. And so their blues might look a little different and their hues might look a little different. And, um, and then you have DC. And um, uh, so we have our church family, our DC Metro Church, and they have probably one of the most significant creative teams um, there with uh, Pastor Dougie Fowler and um, and even in our, our Orlando campus. Uh, we just have so many amazing God, you know, God gifted creatives in all these cities. And now with Baltimore coming online in the church family, these great creative teams that you, instead of us being the central and saying, Hey, you have to do it like this. Instead, we're going, how did you do that? So our DC um, church designed our awakening revival series. And guess what? We passed that out to everyone here in Jacksonville. We weren't like, well, no, we had a great idea. We were like, awesome. Send us the stuff. And Mm. we based everything off of these assets and it looked a little different in DC. It looked a little different in Jacksonville, but it was all the same stuff. And um, I think that's, what's so amazing about what God is doing is that it's, it's, he's definitely doing a new thing. It's like that verse he's doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? And um, I feel like we're just holding everything with an open hand, like Paris is launching and they have this really great vibe that is very, very European. And so the best thing you could do is just go, Hey, here are our assets. Let the Lord lead you. And, um, and you're watching God really move in a supernatural way at all these campuses. So I think that the best thing you could do when things are, when the flame is moving is just fan it. Yeah. Within that, that's, that's kind of where you can celebrate that growth and have those touch points of, um, yeah, celebrating with them and their success as, as, and not feeling like you have to control everything. No, which that's for that's some horrible. leaders can be an issue. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to be Fidel Castro about our design standards. You know what I mean? That helps no one. And so, yeah. um, I think that I think you need to realize, and I tell this to people all the time: like we are an entity that is constantly evolving. You can't adapt. You have to remain flexible. You have to be seaweed. You know what I mean? You just can't try to row against the current. You have to just let it take you. And um, our church is always growing, always moving. Um, it is it is an amazing thing to be a part of. And um, I think that moving forward creatively, 
watching God move in all these churches and, you know, watching like even our awakening revival seeping out and doing all these amazing things. We have to keep our eyes on the people and on the Holy Spirit and, and just just stand there with open hands and go, okay, God, now what? Okay, God, yeah. now what? Because the minute we try to step in and micromanage it, we'll just mess it up. Find out more about Chadi and to read the other part of our interview with her, visit the podcast episode page on our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. Welcome to Reply All, where each week we pose a question and give you the chance to answer online in our Creative Talks group on Facebook. Last week we asked, what are three weird facts about you? We got a ton of feedback <laughs> on this one um, and a lot of really weird facts. So here are a few of our favorites in no particular order or reading. Uh, Timothy Flick came on strong with um, his first fact. I was all state captain of my academic team and have won multiple trivia tournaments. So when I go to bar trivia, I know who to invite. Um, number two, my first word was Batman. Um, because whose wasn't, I mean, Emily's was obviously Wonder Woman, but, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, number three, I impressed this girl so much with my rock band. Drum. <laughs> oh, this is going in a great direction. Hang on. I didn't even read this before. I impressed this girl so much with my rock band drumming skills that she gave me her phone number and married me two years later, man, rock band is just bringing people together. Yeah, I I knew rock band was was really the cornerstone of many. It's something special, and, and uh, it's, it's, it's good just to see it. that it's still happening. Who needs uh, Match dot com? Just you know, get out the rock band and go. That's pretty legit. <laughs> okay, so Rob Clark came in with three pretty cool facts. First one, he had a near death experience when he was walking down a dark tunnel. I mean, I feel like there's a story there and that I would we love to definitely hear. need to hear it. Yes. Yes. We did not do our journalistic due, due <laughs> diligence on this at all. So, so sorry. Rob, you need to send us that story because it sounds pretty cool. Um, second, this is not related to the first, um, but he's a cancer survivor. Yeah. That's warrior status That's right awesome. there. And then number three, his wife is eight months pregnant with child number seven. Ooh, Guys. Blessings to you, sir. Ooh. Blessings. You are the father of the year. You are on the eternal prayer list. Prayer list. Yes. And your wife is mother of the year. Ooh, yes. Oh my. Your wife is mother of the year. Oh, for sure. Um, Cody, Justin, and I'm proud to say this, best pick um, <laughs> answered, and it, it, you'll find out how, why here in a minute. Um, he answered with three weird facts. Uh, the first one was, I don't like mashed potatoes. And I understand that is probably grounds for getting removed from this group. First off, guys. <laughs> When did we get a reputation for being mashed potato lovers? I mean, did, did that I, that didn't happen on my watch? I don't know. I, I don't know what what when Creative Talks got this massive re reputation for us. I mean, if we're known for one we, thing, it's about the debates between chunky and smooth mashed potatoes that we have constantly. <laughs> so constantly in the Creative Talks group, you know, we, we we remove people from being Microsoft lovers, but not mashed potato lovers. <laughs> uh. Uh, his last name, this is really important. His last name is really best pick. Mm. And there's a backstory. Finally, the mystery is solved. A couple weeks ago, Ross and I, I mean, we didn't get really in a debate. We just kind of discussed it for at least a good minute, minute and a half as to whether or not Cody's last name was best pick. I just thought he always got chosen first for dodgeball in middle school. So and he was just bragging like he was just like, he's the best pick. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of thought that too. Um, we we deleted all that out, so you never heard it on the final episode. But it was nice to see that we finally got our question answered, um, even unintentionally. Uh, and the third one was I got an award for the highest grade on on a poetry book in my eighth grade class. Mm. Good to see you, Cody. That's awesome. I like poetry. Yeah, I used to I used to write poetry. I'm a published used to be a, poet. Used to be a lyricist. In like a, uh, junior high, I wrote a poem and it got into this like state of Kansas uh, book. So it's wow. somewhere. I'm sure my parents still have it. 
I, we need to find that book and read that poem. <laughs> there you go. New, 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 uh, new purpose. Find yes. That poem. Um, Greg Vinnerholm, one of our favorite people at Creative Church. Um, well, he's at Church <laughs> on the Move, but we at Creative Church love Greg Vinnerholm. Yes. Vinny. Yes, we love him. Um, his last name means friendly island in Swedish, or so his father tells him. Friendly island. He's he's a friendly man, so I can see how that absolutely fits. He says he's built several guitars while he was much younger and still has a deep appreciation for the instrument, even though he's a terrible guitarist. So, you know, this doesn't really play into, you know, build it and they will come. He just builds it and other people, you know, will do it, I guess. I guess that is it. No, it, it ties in directly. Forget what I is just said. The, is it the Fender gu- gu- guitar um, creator that he built all those guitars and he never knew how to play? Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember either. I think it's one of them. Uh, either way, he's in good company with that. Yeah, being able to build a guitar but not being on the play, he's in good. Yeah, company. I've 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 toured the um, Martin Guitar Factory in Pennsylvania before, and I don't think I could ever craft a guitar myself. So, uh, kudos to to Greg for that one. And then his last fact is: when my family travels to Disney World, they tell me I'm a noticeably different person, meaning I'm way more easygoing, less stressed, and stay and say no way less so essentially they just need to move into the princess castle i think is what it yeah. sounds like for the uh, right for the next, family right to, right next door to me just yeah. right across the street um <laughs> you know just right across I, I mean i'm i'm that way too that's why i literally live here you know, you know if we were doing this podcast in tulsa i would just be the grumpiest person <laughs> um it would just be me making horrible microsoft jokes all yeah terrible long. just terrible terrible jokes terrible, about the blue bad. screen of death emily are yes. you a big fan of disney world you know, I want to say yes, and I always <laughs> I have fun every time I go. This is done. We're done. We're done here. We're done here. But I never go. I've like lived in Florida for over a decade, and I've been two times, three times. Oh, is wow. that sad? I need I think, to. Go. I think you need to. I think you need to reevaluate your group of friends. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Yeah, Nick's Nick's gonna be over there having a little bit of yeah, a conniption. Yeah, we, yeah, I'm, I, uh, excuse me. I'm going to be in a quarter crying. Um, uh, All right, I'll make a trip to Orlando ASAP. We'll make it we, happen. We, we'll go together. Perfect. We'll go together. We'll all go, and it'll just be a huge, massive Disney day. It'll be great. Ross, you should come too. We'll just do a podcast Disney there day you, live oh my from the Magic Kingdom. So Jared Togger has three cool facts. One, he was a Gerber baby. And if you've ever seen Jared. You can believe that. Really? Like, go look at his profile picture. You can believe that. It's like, wow. I never thought about it, but yes, I can see you on the Gerber baby jar. So watch out, Jared. Sure. Everyone is Facebook stalking you right now. <laughs> yep. Sorry. Everybody instantly. You're going to get a ton of new Facebook requests right now. Yes. Sorry, Jared. I'm sorry. His second fact. That's Togger. T-O-G-G. <laughs> oh, no. That's, that's, that's Jared with a J-E-R-O-D. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jared. Yes, there, yeah, yep, Jared, I am Togger. so sorry that uh, this is happening to you right now. Let's move on to your second fact. Your uh, right knee has apparently more screws in it than a traditional Erector set kit. Wow. I, I, I hope that's not um, hyperbole because that would be insane. Yeah. I don't know how many screws come in an erector kit. Well, how many so, screws can fit in a human right knee? Uh, let's guess. I would say more than 10 and less than 30. Oh. I would agree with that. They could be tiny screws. Okay. They could be really True. tiny screws. A traditional yeah. erector set. I don't even know. Yeah, I need I need a frame of reference here. I don't even I don't even know if I don't even know what I might not even know what an erector set is. Let's just let's get that get that out of the way. Yep, I don't know what that is either. Sorry, oh, Jared. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Jared. We, we were set? just bluffing. Oh, you guys, man, I must be old. Erector set was like the old metal. There, it was kind of like connects uh, before they made everything plastic. It was this old metal construction kind of thing. You just screw some things together. Oh wow! Yeah, That's cool. looking. I mean, I am 35, online. so yes, I I was made in the 80s and grew up with all that stuff. So. Okay, looking online, just real quick Google search. I'm just reading the top, so don't 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 quote this as fact. I'm literally just you know in the moment. They have 246 screws in this erector oh, wow. set. Mm. So he he either he's either exaggerating or he has There's 240 a... screws in his. Jared, his you name. have some explaining to do. Uh, yeah, 
feel yeah. like we need some clarification Definitely. there. Yeah, yeah, we for sure. We need yeah follow up with us, please. And uh, also, thirdly, he can sign his name with his toes. Now I need to which... know if he gained this ability after he got all the screws yeah. in his right knee, or is it I his like left maybe... foot? Yeah. Yeah, Jared, I'm more confused. Yeah, this both of those. You left us with more questions than more. facts here. I don't know. Yes, yeah, we we have a lot of questions. We're going to be interviewing Jared next week <laughs> on the podcast uh, to figure out what's going on with his knee and and why he can sign his name with his toes. We're very uh, concerned, Jared. <laughs> Hope all that money care. from being a Gerber baby has paid for those surgeries. <laughs> we care and we're ready to listen to your stories great <laughs> uh, those are some amazing answers uh, to see the rest you can do so by joining our creative talks group on Facebook um, but last week uh, we had James from Bethany Worship on the podcast um, and their new single Speak uh, has really has really spoken to me um, pun wasn't intended but I didn't know where to go with that um, therefore I wanted to get everyone's thoughts on what worship or and I have to make this uh note because some people take things way too literally uh, what worship or secular song has really spoken to your heart um what about what, what, do, you, what do you guys think what, what what worship or secular song has really spoken to your heart well for me do it again by elevation worship because um, oh, it yeah. i mean it just reminds me literally the title do it again and god has shown up for me and i just need to believe and be watching that he will do it again that's awesome that's a great song that's awesome yeah i love um Shadow Proves the Sunshine by Switchfoot. That one, I just love. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> but Google is your friend, and you can use that. But no, just just the the lyrical way he paints the picture. I just love him as a songwriter anyway. But um, yeah, just the pi- picture that he paints with that song, um, The Shadow Proves the Sunshine, and, and, and you know, it just kind of speaks to... and. and you know, there there had been some times in my life where I had just gone through some very shadowy areas, dark areas, and you know that that was a really good uplifting song for me in that time, um, and, and just really, you know, to me as close to my heart and how it can represent uh, my faith and and Jesus. That's awesome. Well, um, that's this week's reply. All what did you give your answer? Oh yeah, you already oh, did. yeah speak speak, speak. yeah. Well, I you didn't go into like why. Um. Well, it was. I don't know. It was just a, a time we're making some transitions as a, as a family here, my, me and my wife, um, uh, with some of the things we were doing at a church here in, in town. And I don't know, it just I was that was kind of my prayer that was on my heart that God would speak to me. And uh, this song literally uh, debuted like the same day that I'm that I'm kind of thinking about all this. So it just really it meant a lot. And uh, I even said it in the podcast interview with him that uh, his song is writing actually just kind of formalized my prayer during that time and it really helped me and let god kind of speak into my life and show me which 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 direction i needed to go so a really good song really really great song and i encourage everyone to go download that song um shameless plug (laughs) but uh (laughs) uh, this week reply all like i said is what is one worship song or lyric that has really spoken to your heart uh, if you want to join in on that conversation, you can do so by heading over to our Facebook page and joining Creative Talks. That's CRTV Talks. On that note, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. There are a few great ways you can share your appreciation for the Creative Church Podcast. First, subscribe and add us to your favorite podcatcher. We also release all of our episodes on our website at creativechurch.com. Also, review this podcast and show us some rating star love on iTunes so we can get more exposure and more people that find us can learn that Best Pick is an actual last name. Uh, before we go, though, I, I want to make sure, Emily, how how you feeling about the podcast? You good? We didn't give you anything here in the last bit, so so we got to check <laughs> in on you one last time before we leave. I am so excited to be a part of uh, this crew, <laughs> and I'm really excited about adding a Becoming Me podcast to the lineup. So thank it's you, guys. Be great. And Perfect. feel free to interrupt us at any time. Yeah, you got to it. interject. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you're coming back next week, right? Woo-hoo. And, yeah, I have it on my calendar. Let's do it. Go. Lastly, consider sharing this episode on social media. You can find us by searching our handle, Creative Church. That's one word, CRTV Church. Special thanks to Charlie for joining us today. Uh, you can check out all that she's doing by heading over to our podcast episode page on our website at creativechurch.com. Uh, we also have a little short uh, uh, interview segment there, uh, article that we've written uh, with some more tips that she gave uh, during her interview. Also, Thanks to Stock Hub for sponsoring today's show. Do us a big favor and go check them out and go sign up for that 14-day free trial. In the meantime, I'm Nick Goodner. 
I'm Ross Montgomery. And I'm Emily Cummins. And we will see you next episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Creative Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. Also, check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Creative Church.